end of the season it's time to reflect it's the fpl surgery podcast Welcome one and all to our 133rd episode capping off a 2018-2019 FPL season to remember for some and one to forget very quickly for others, myself included. Uh, We're going to be talking through the lessons learned and how each of our fine managers joining us tonight have got on during this FPL season. It is Bully hosting as usual and welcoming back our resident expert in all things fpl the iceman expert no never say that i'm never an expert but thank you thank you for the welcome back it's nice to be back it's nice to just pick up fpl whenever we want at the moment because i've been off it's been a while and it's nice to just come back to fpl whenever you feel like it yeah so i mean you obviously the listeners haven't really heard from you in in months i know yeah but i I haven't heard where have you been been in america been away holiday and then we came back and we just left it a few weeks or so and it's been a nightmare recording because we've been trying out new software but we've finally gone back to the old software and yeah we're going to get a pod recorded finally the Iceman is actually lying he went to do national service in Icemandia but it's uh (laughs) He's being, uh, he's being humble oh, about don't, don't bring that back. So on this episode, uh, Iceman, we've got some some of the top FPL minds in the game and some of our, our regulars on the podcast. Great to have them all back again. Uh, I'm going to quickly introduce them and I'm going to ask them to tell us their overall rank for the season and sum up in three words how they define their season. So I'll go first. So I finished in the top 800k uh, and I described my season as dull, drab and disappointing. <laughs> so... <laughs> leading off from me it is mr tc tom campbell welcome back bully how's it going mate really good great to be here. yeah wonderful good to have you back so let's have your overall rank and your uh, your season in three words yeah just before i do that welcome back to you as well jim i hope you had a good holiday mate. thanks mate. you managed Cheers. the pod expertly without you yeah thought, yeah you've got loads of plaudits on that one it was one of the best pods ever apparently so I, excellent I Probably the best, I would say. Yeah, I would, I would yeah. say so as well. Yeah. Very okay. time recording. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for that. So, thanks for um, that. I had a good season. I finished um, overall rank was uh, five nine two five, so finished in the top six k, uh, which was my third best ever season. So, I'd say the three words I'd go for consistent. Uh, lowest rank was like just outside five hundred k. Um, it was planned as ever with me pretty planned um, and fun I had a lot of fun this season I did a lot of eye tests so um, yeah I really enjoyed it so I'd say consistent planned and fun top man yeah yeah so I look forward to hearing more of your reflections in a minute TC following him we've got Mr Ian Hortz Horton welcome back Ian Evening, gents. And can I actually concur with Tom there? Uh, welcome back, Iceman. It was a pleasure being on the highest ranked uh, the, the best, surgery yeah, podcast ever. One. So, yeah, yeah it, it was a, it was a privilege. So <laughs> fa- thanks for being away. Yeah, thanks again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, thanks for welcoming me back on board. Uh, 19,470 was the finishing uh, position for the uh, Headless Chickens last year. And in three words, I would say gradually got better. Oh, nice. Yeah, like that, like that over the course of the season, much improvement. Let's welcome back a man who has also been uh, joining us on the pod several times. We've got Hogsrud. Hello, good to Hello, be Hello, sir. Let's have your overall rank and the, those uh, three words to sum up your season, plus any banter you want to throw in the Iceman's direction. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah ended at uh, 1,710th. Wow. And uh, my season was pretty good, pretty solid, with a horrible finish. 
<laughs> and uh, Iceman's getting enough banter, so I'll skip that part. Uh, <laughs> what a gent. What do you think about that Iceman? Is, is he uh, your, your favourite now? Yeah, yeah, he's going to leave it to Jay now, I'm sure. <laughs> Jay and I, Jay and I saving it for the quiz. <laughs> we'll get to Jay in just a second. First of all, though, all the way from uh, from Australia, the man who has kept us all smiling throughout the season with his either comedic or morality inducing comments at the end of each pod. It is FPL sexy. You, you. There he is. Hello. Welcome back, mates. Let's uh, let's have your rank and uh, and your, your three words to sum up the season. Three words first, 50-50 decisions. I had two teams. I had my daughter's team, who's four, and my team, and I think it was 128 and 158k. So pretty horrible. I didn't have fun this year. No fun for you this season? No, I, I had fun at the start, but towards the end, it just fell away. I kind of, um, there was no progress. I just hovered. If I, if I horribly dropped, I would have been happier than just staying stagnant. So lessons to be learned for next season. Let's uh, let's see what you come up with, Brett, as we go through. And last but not least, the man who loves uh, the quiz every year, it is J&O. Thanks for having me back on, Bully. Uh, nice to see Iceman had to take that much time off to write a quiz that is going to just basically screw me over. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty, yeah, it's, it's going to be biased this year. It's going to be, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what comes out of that. Jano, where did you finish? And, uh, and three words, please. Okay, so I finished just outside the top 10K, which was uh, very disappointing. And I'd say summing up my season would be good start, then boring. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame when it goes that way. Definitely. Zaha couldn't dig you out this year. I didn't pick him like an idiot. Well, that's, why. that's why. Like an idiot. I would have been in the top 10K if I'd just gone with the book of Zaha. You did write it. Where's where, it, where, it going to end up next season? I'll still be at Palace. I've had you words with him. You to pay the 80 million or whatever it's going to cost. No, I need him at Palace to uh, score those penalties. Or win the penalties, sorry. He won't score them. Yeah, a bit of a bitch all day. Right, okay, chaps. Well, let, let's crack on. Before we uh, get into the reflections, I'm going to give you all a quick uh, update on our Patreon and some oh, work that's being don't done. Don't forget to ask me about my overall rank. No one cares. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't wait to uh, to, to tell again? everyone. <laughs> There's the JNO banter that we were expecting. There it is. This is Horts and TC's pod, isn't it? <laughs> it should be now, shouldn't it? Yeah. Horts and ratings have gone up. I like the idea of that, actually. Um, it's got right. It so there's another bloke from the pod who did all right this season, and uh, and he's the the editor. So Iceman, uh, <laughs> rank and your three words define your season. Um, yeah, so I did finish two thousand two hundred and forty third in the world this year. So that's a progression based on last year. I finished. 3.5k and the year before that it was 8k so i'm gradually going up and up so my three words are progression but disappointing because i really had a bad finish to the end where i was up in the top 1k and i just dropped down a few places more than i more than i wanted was but the second word there because you're progression but disappointing but but that is that is a word isn't it so you're having that as your second one yeah yeah second word Right, fair enough. Wow, that's just two words. <laughs> right, let's uh, let's move on then. So let's talk about Patreon. First of all, we want to thank all of our subscribers and followers this year. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Hopefully, you've been able to enjoy the Slack channel uh, and the banter that goes and 
on there and also hopefully the, uh, the useful information coming out of our great participants just an update so this year we're looking to introduce a new feature for our patreon subscribers access for patreon consists of a monthly potential to win a prize if you uh, and if you come at the slack level you'll get access to hogsrud's season team planner so this is a, a google sheet and this comes complete with all fixtures including an overview when there are cups or international breaks it gives you the dates and times of deadlines and the time zone location you're at you can set your own fdr personalized color use for fdr if you're colorblind no problem for the fpl general iceman i appreciate that's your banter uh, that's his actually. It's, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh dig, it, dig it, the general. Wow, we go there. Uh, it tracks your ranking leagues week by week and graphs them for you. Uh, player data is fetched from the official game automatically as frequently as you want it. Uh, you have the option to show players availability and injury status, and there's a video tutorial that's going to be made available. We're basically going to be spoon feeding you, rather Hogsrod's going to be uh, spoon feeding you. Um, Hogsrod, do you want to say anything else about this this project? And uh, no, I wrote those points, so I think that's covered it. Covered it. <laughs> Just to yeah. say that he he's given it to me, and I've been doing a bit of testing on it. It is good. I don't normally go for these planner type things i normally just wing it through the season but this is really handy it makes it really clear you can see it all in one page and then you can chop and change between the matches the fixture difficulty ratings and everything and it's it's customizable to how you need it it's, it's nice and easy really good to use i felt i needed something after this season so um i made it and oh yeah because you did so bad this season yeah, yeah <laughs> it's easier to to have a nice spreadsheet to plan your weeks ahead and see when you're weak and when you need to do something yeah exactly very impressive hawks rod let's see uh, let's see how that goes this year uh, the higher tiers of our patreon grant you access to our slack channel as i mentioned so that consists of all the guests we've had on the podcast and all the rest of our awesome patrons some include uh, we've got banana nose maldonado a regular on twitter with a record three top 10k finishes once in uh, 612th we've got our very own hawks rod finishing through top 3k in the last couple of seasons alex ball is there having never finished outside the top 60k Mr. TC, he's had two top 5K finishes. And of course, the Iceman, who has finished 8K, 3.5K and 2K in the last three seasons. All members in there have now said how helpful it is, especially the Iceman. Oh yes, we love it in the Slack. To be to be fair, it has been very helpful this season, and you just get to play off ideas of, of one another. Me, Stefan, TC, Ports, you know, we're all in there messaging, and it, it is really helpful throughout the season. So thanks again for all your support, and if you want to get involved with that, uh, head over to Patreon forward slash FPL Surgery. Uh, we're also partnered with Fancy Football Hub, and we've been given an exclusive sign-up offer code of Surgery15. That is Surgery15. So go to fancyfootballhub.co.uk and you can sign up there for 15% off using that. So let's sum up where we're going with this episode then. It's really an open forum. It's a free-for-all. We've got a list of subjects. Be looking for all of our esteemed guests to comment on each. There might be a little bit of conflict. Anybody that goes quiet, I will punish you and be coming straight to you and passing the mic. So don't treat it like a hot potato. We're going to get through this and then we're going to finish with the Iceman's much-loved quiz. You used to have one every episode when we started this years ago. You now get one a season, so bloody well enjoy it. Yeah, can't wait for that. How many questions is it? Uh, nine? Nine questions. Is that it? Uh, <laughs> they're damn good questions. <laughs> they're really, yeah, really good questions. Oh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Right, chaps, let's get into it. So, free-for-all here. 
First reflection for the season, player and team value, your personal templates price points. Iceman, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so, I mean, you, you bring in the players you think are cheap in price and you've got your premium players and, and their value and who you think and what you kind of start with as a template towards the season. I'll just kind of list how I kind of structure my team throughout the season. I always start with two 4.5 goalkeepers and then I have like a, a high price premium defender, two medium premiums and then two kind of cheapy defenders who I, I try to rotate with my uh, my low price uh, midfielder. Then I've got the one low price midfielder. The, I normally do about two or three premium midfielders and like one premium striker uh, with kind of two mid-place strikers like cheapos and if if there's a bargain out there I'll I'll try and get him but for the player value it's kind of something which you've got to start off at and it's good to kind of rotate between all these players I just want to pass this out to anyone else how do you guys do it do you do you kind of structure it in a one premium striker three premium midfielders anyone structure it a little bit differently I don't structure it that much. I make sure I am flexible. So if I've got one big hitter up front, like and Kane, say I've got Aguero and then Kane starts banging the second week, I'll make sure I can get to him easily with one or two moves. I don't necessarily do the price kind of structuring till the second wild card or till I play my wild card because I, I don't know, it's too hard to see in the first three, four, five, six weeks who's on form and it's hard to... Even if I've got like those four or five def- rotating defenders, I don't know who to play. And if I do, I play the wrong one. Yeah, um, yeah. So I try and leave it all in the first 11. Yeah, I'd agree with Sexy. I think that's the way to play with it. You, you At the start of the season, you focus on your starting 11. I always have a little look out for those sort of players that are likely to be out of position. Those sort of guys tend to avoid early doors, people that are new to the league. Because I always feel if they've settled in by week four, six, eight, whenever you're likely to play your wild card, you can bring them in then. But often they're a bit risky to go early on. Obviously, Salah a couple of years ago, the exception to that rule. But generally speaking, that seems to to serve it. And yeah, make sure you've got a really nice, strong starting 11 because it's we always say it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. But actually... With that first wild card, I would hazard a guess that the majority of owners tend to use it between, say, weeks two and eight. Let's put it that way. Mm. Um, not many people hang on to that first one much longer than that. So really, that first little part of the season is a bit of a sprint. So you can tend, uh, you, it's quite handy to load up your, your team with sort of known quantities if you can fit them in, in the value. That's the Yeah, I suppose yeah. it's a, we don't really know the value of every player at the start of the season, do we? I mean, like TAA, we didn't realise that Trent Alexander-Arnold was going to be great value at that price at the start of the season. But first wildcard, we kind of thought, right, we're, we've got to get him in, all the likes of yeah. Doherty and players like that. But we got lucky with Wambasaka, for example. Yeah. So it's it's people like that that you figure, yeah, he's going to start. He's on a ridiculously low price. They're they're your bench fodder, and you can pop those in. But you say, yeah, the, the, obviously surprises pop up through the season, and you and you can grab those on your first wild card. But if you go for known quantities, because the last thing you want to do is have a real stinker of a start, because then you're always playing catch up. You want to mm. be in there Player, or thereabouts. Players known. Players known that you yeah, know. That's how I would tend to look at it. Yeah, mm. and get a feel because each season we get a feel for different formations for example at the beginning of uh, this 
season just gone, I loaded up quite heavily on defenders right at the start because we were all thinking, oh, wing backs, defenders are going to be the big point scorers. So I did that before then shifting a little bit more into the midfield later on. And they, and they got to bring the captains into this question because the premium players are priced higher because they are captain alternatives. So if you load up on three or four premium players, you it's a sort of waste value because a 7 million player will almost always be more valuable than a 13 million player uh, like Salah. Mm. So if you if you have too many big uh, premium players, you sort of give up some value, I think. You should have enough premium players to be able to have a captain that's premium every week. But other than that, you really don't want that many premiums. I was me. definitely on board with what Stefan just described, actually. So... It kind of differed a little bit from your approach, Jim. It was the first season that I went with a five million goalkeeper. Oh, yeah. I'd actually, I'd actually done quite a lot of research into uh, goalkeepers because I'd struggled historically to know whether or not it's you know best to go with the strategy that you've advocated for with the two rotating 4.5s or you know load up on a premium and then have <laughs> bench fodder behind them. So I actually thought I'd spend some time looking at it and it just identified that Pickford was actually a, looked like a great being, being a great shout based on the saves that he was making from distance, sort of saves that you expect a keeper to make. Mm. So I went with him um, and supplemented him with uh, Stecklenburg, the understudy at Everton, 4.0 he was as well. Did it did exactly the same thing, TC. Me well, too. Um, I started Pickford as yeah, well. Yeah, and, and I'd be interested to know whether or not you guys abandoned ship when I did. Because yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Game week five wild card. He was gone. Exactly. Wish, so, wish I mean, they hadn't in, re- in retrospect, but yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, And, and, and you're, you guys are exactly right. If you actually look at, um, I've been doing quite a lot of analysis in the close season about sort of player and team performance and what have you, and Pickford's points per million is exceptional. Um, yes, you could argue he got, in inverted commas, lucky with some penalty saves, although pretty good counter-argument to that would be that actually penalty saves are part of his job and is it coincidence that he's actually one of the more effective at it but I mean whatever he he ended the season with a whole heap of points and, and it would have it would have put me in good stead to keep with him so I think I'm actually going to look at the five million and fodder um, option again potentially you know we haven't had the prices yet we're recording between the you know the gap between the fixtures being announced and the, and the prices being announced, but that seems to be a strategy that that would have worked for me if I'd been a little bit more patient. Stefan's point I thought about the the premiums was definitely something I went with. So I started with Salah and Aguero. I didn't have a squad in my prep last season, last preseason without Salah. I was I was all in on him, and he and um, Aguero were going to be my rotating captains for the for the first several game weeks so as a consequence of that I really did share the value around and outside of Ericsson who I guess you could argue is more of a premium price I had a huge spread of, of players in that sort of six to seven million range of Mendy, PVA who was a little bit lower, Robertson, Richarlison, uh, Jota, Arnautovic and, and Josh King and I tried to sort of hedge my bets a little bit and and like you say, identify where the value was ongoing after those those first couple of weeks, and you know got off to a pretty fortunate start, um, but was able to react accordingly. So like Josh King didn't didn't stand uh, in my team long, but the likes of Richarlison um, and 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 uh, the the back three I mentioned with Mendy and Robertson, and I think it was Hortz mentioned Juan Bissaka, they gave me the chance to you know react accordingly. So I, I think I'll advocate for that and more of a spread of prices uh, in game week one. Um, as we come into the, the forthcoming season. 
I think if I was going to agree, it would be with the point of spreading, but also making sure you do have one of those players like Salah, because then it is so easy to go to any other option. Because, of yeah. course, new season, you, we don't know if a player is going to have as good a season as he did last season, if it's going to be better, worse. But also for me, I just can't bring myself to bet on a goalkeeper right at the beginning of the season because, yes, we have keepers that have great seasons. But then the next season, someone changes at the club. The defence in front of them is now poor. Morale gets dropped. De Gea, for example, everyone was so sure De Gea was going to still have the best seasons that he has had recently. And he was disappointing this season because Man United were disappointing. But would you have bet on that at the beginning of the season? So for me, I would go 4.5, 4.5. And then if the wild card comes and I think, okay, this is the keeper I want to stick my hat on, and then you have a 4 million bench option, then I'd go for it. But I think at the start of the season, I can't ever bring myself to spend £5 million on a goalkeeper. Even yeah. if you're having it with a, a 4 mil behind him, Jano, you still wouldn't do that because you're spending the same money mm. then. In, in True, but then I've got two goalkeepers, which I have a feeling that they could potentially mm. have a good start to the season. Two yeah. 4.5s at a start. In. Yeah, I, I, I take your point. And, and for me, you know, I'm, I'm advocating for this strategy, but ultimately I bailed out of it when Pickford started the season pretty horribly after the World Cup. So... You know, as it turned out, this strategy would have worked if you'd had the patience to sort of go seven or eight game weeks without him, without him sort of doing anything of note. Um, and that's that's pretty difficult to do, especially when you're you're using your wild card. Like, would you really stick with someone who hasn't returned in that opening period if you're if you have the opportunity to shuffle the deck in total? I mean, I couldn't do it. Didn't sound like Hawks could. So, yeah, I appreciate it's a it's a difficult one to you know to uh, hold your ground on. I'm most likely going to stick with one goalkeeper regardless of his price, even if it's the 4.5. And even this season, when I did wildcard, I put in Patrizio at 4.5 as a single playing goalkeeper. Yeah. Because I think the, the points are really, very random. As you said, Pickford had those mm. penalty saves, and those yeah. can happen anytime. And Etheridge was, was the other guy that uh, a lot of people bought because he had a lot of points, but he also got the penalty saves. Yeah. But you can't you can't figure out when he's going to get those saves and when he's going to get the bonus. So I'd rather just stick with one and see if I get lucky. Yeah, I agree. Especially, I agree. Well, especially you when you've got a, someone who plays at four million like Hamer last year to back mm. that up. Mm. Yeah, that, that helps. Yeah, I mean, I would say the penalty saves did feel like more of a, a lottery. I definitely agree, agree with that to an extent. But you know, the analysis I did was more based on shots he was making from outside of the box and, and, and those ones that you kind of expect them to be saves to, to be saved rather and yeah. you know you know that it's one of those metrics in FPL where you know just three of them and you're getting an additional point. So it was more grounded in that type of scoring rather than expecting him to save a load of penalties. I wasn't expecting yeah. that at all. But yeah, it's just an interesting one. I think it's there's always those two counter arguments of a premium and uh, you know a non-playing player behind them versus that rotating pair of two 4.5s. And for me, it was actually interesting to look at a counter-argument, a kind of third argument. So that's one that I'll be looking. But definitely agree, Stefan, with your point about two, maybe three premiums and decide who you're going to captain in all likelihood up front. So make sure that the value that you're expending on them is going to, in effect, be doubled when you, you shut the armband on them. That's those. I mean, Jota was an interesting one. What did you guys think? It was, I think it was Jim made... No, I can't remember who made the point about avoiding or swerving promoted sides. Definitely agree with that. But it felt like Wolves were a little bit different last season with the way that they play and 
you know the momentum behind them but what do you think about promoted sides coming into the forthcoming season yeah i'd be avoiding it. i i i dived in on kenny and matino uh, matino from the promoted sides last year and regretted both of them so um i mean matino got a few assists during the season but kenny did absolutely nothing so i'll i'll certainly be avoiding the three because i don't think any of them are as strong as wolves potentially were this or this this season just gone uh, and i think you just they've got to give them time to settle down the promoted teams often get a good tonking early doors so i would certainly be waiting to see if anyone is looking to come through for them over those first few weeks unless literally you're looking at a four million dump defender that you just need to fill out that 15th slot to get within budget then yeah by all means because they'll sit at the end of your bench uh, but I think, that's I really think, the only way so, i'm gonna go there i think we're at danger about talking about uh, going into what players we're looking at for next season we kind of want to concentrate on this pod on uh, thinking about reflections and what we've done and how we think we're going to plan it for next year kind of let's try and veer away from talking about the players too much i'm gonna probably have to cut this bit because i don't really want to sound like a killjoy on what you were saying trying to take control of it because uh we, we end up talking about um player value for too long whereas we we've got a lot of other subjects here we, we do want to get through and at the moment we could talk about all the players and players coming up it could go on forever but we do want to kind of get it a bit more concise to, to what you know what this pod's about should we move on then yeah okay so we've said there are plenty on uh, how to set the team up at the start of the season so let's move on to thinking about team value and how you bank build over the course of the season so thoughts on this chaps yeah so I mean increasing your team value is kind of the importance of this and how do you feel about building it through the season? I do think it is important. I mean, I found that this season I didn't really have enough cash like a few times to get the limited players that I wanted. I mean, due to me researching all the time for the podcast and you know the knowledge I, I try and take on regarding all the players, this kind of minimizes the amount of players I can go for because I find out you know bad things about others and good things about some. So the team value can be quite important come the end of the season. And I believe going early more often than not this season is probably the better way to go but probably from the start of the season and then ease up as you get towards the end of the season like I'm, I may have been caught out once on like TAA I think I brought him in early I think he got injured like Champions League or something but I would have gained a lot more value if I went early on some players and obviously there is no reason to go early on like a player who isn't rising, who you know isn't rising. You know, check your websites, fplstatistics.com and uh, Fancy Football Fix. You know, I wouldn't do it if they're, they're going up, but that point one here or there can be the difference between a Maguire or like a, a VVD. I mean, I, I didn't focus it on it too much last year, but I'm still torn whether like that point one loss is worth it here or there. A lot of people will say that, you know, obtaining that information and waiting the longest is the best way to do it, but it's making sure that you get all that information in, but you just want that point one as well, because as mentioned, you, you can just benefit from it a lot come your wild card as well. Yeah, I'd agree with you, but I think based on this year, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, early early on in the season is when the prices fluctuate the most, and yeah. as you say, we've, we've we've all got access to those websites. I think we all know what they are, and it behooves you so just every night, just have a quick look on there at sort of you know ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, just see what 
see what's likely to happen if nothing's going to happen move on leave it a day so don't don't just go flying in for the sake of it but if it looks like someone's going to go up and if it looks like a player who's going to be on the rise and you're likely to make some money out of then yeah i mean early on in the season it it's possibly worth the risk but i agree with you later on in the season i'm waiting till you know midnight on a friday or yeah, yeah. saturday morning well, you know waiting for you know, who's at the hotel and all that sort of information i mean but, that's when the fatigue sets in as well like the last third of the season so you want to play things a little bit more safe yeah and prices tend not to fluctuate too much towards the latter end of the season it's it's the early days where the um you know the, the bandwagons start and sort of you know players that are new to the leagues bang in a couple of goals and then every suddenly loads loads of people start lumping on them and, and that's where you can make some money you don't even have to be on them for a long period of time but if as you say if you can make that point two point three that makes a difference when it comes to your second wild card at the, at the you know the real crucial end of the season when we're all looking to play our our um, our chips and and the bench boosts and all that that's yeah. where your extra sort of point five if you've managed to build it up gets you that shade the, the special player rather than the ordinary player I'm interested to know what Stefan's take is. He had such a great rank. What did you do, Stefan, especially in the early part? Were you a bit more trigger-happy in the early part of the season, like Jim and, and Hortz are advocating for that? Uh, I think I did one early transfer the whole year, and that was uh, Alonso before Game Week 3. After I was... Uh, Game Week 2, he was uh, playing Chelsea, nay, Arsenal and looked uh, very good. And uh, he looked like someone I should get in. And there were no games scheduled between the, the game weeks. But yeah. other than that, I think I did my best when I completely avoided those sites, which kind of forces you to make a move because they're often wrong as well. And it says, okay, he's going to rise tonight. And then you start to think and then you start to be stressed and you don't make good decisions when you're stressed, I think. So for me, I try to make transfers never early and I also found out that I do bad transfers when I do them very close to the deadline because that's also stressful so Friday night that's perfect and I, I and I believe that you will get team value if you bring in the right players I, that's the point I think that's really well well articulated I think the, the point where Jim sort of suggesting about the early transfers to me it, the key there is that when you bring a player in especially in the early part of the season, you're expecting, or rather you're hoping, that you're going to keep them for a long period of time. And consequence of that is if you're keeping them for a long time, that's because they're performing well, right? And the consequence of that is mm. that other people are going to bring them in. So their value is going to increase organically for a longer period of time if you have them in your squad from the early part of the season. And then you can actually cash that value in in the latter part of the season when you play your chips your second wild card, etc. So for me, it does make sense to act a little bit earlier to get on the uh, the players who have impressed you early on in the season with a view to keeping them for the long term, such that you can then yield that value in the second part of the season if it comes to the point at which you want to sell them. For me, I've take, tended to focus around the January point, you know, with the turn of the year, when I will just say, at that point, my team value is what it is. It, yeah, may, grow, yeah. it may go down a little bit, that's the squad value that you, you're going to have to operate with. And don't worry about the prices at that point. All, there will be other players that you can choose from. And then I will act as close to the deadline as I can to get the most amount of information. That's how I do it. Sounds like Stefan's advocate for a more kind of considered approach rather than mm. beginning of the, you know, acting early. Um, yeah. Guys, you know, it's different strokes for different folks, right? I think well, I'd, I'd certainly agree with Stefan in terms of that. Don't make panic decisions. Like, don't, oh, yeah, if you yeah. see 
any old player is going up, don't just lump on those. I think what I would advocate is if if you've got a very definite idea in your mind that that's the guy I want to bring in this week and you've made your decision, by all means, wait till Friday. But if you see that particular player going up, you know the move you want to make. You've already decided the move you want to make. You might as well make it just that couple of days early, early on in the season to then benefit from the... See, see, this season, that's what I should have done, whereas I was waiting until the last minute, like, because I thought, well, I'll just, you know, I'll play it safe with everything. I played it safe throughout the season. Obviously, I got fairly good rank, but I really feel like I could have done better if I had more money, if I just went that little bit earlier. And I think we had, like, Paul Morgan on once, and he did say the statistics of going earlier on players, it does benefit you longer in the long run. But that's if you, like you say, definitely want that player and you definitely want to bring them in and like I say I, I, I did that a few times but I just I didn't do it so they ended up going another point one. I ended up losing another point one on this player and yeah it just affects me badly towards the end Jeno what's your thoughts on this one I'm probably going to make it sound so much more simple because I have a stressful enough life as it is <laughs> so I don't want to be watching prices the way I look at it is I'm focused on getting the best team I possibly can to get me the most amount of points and if you are getting the most amount of points possible and you're getting a high rank, your team value is going to follow suit. So I personally don't actually look at my team value at all. I'm really not bothered if it's high or low and it may affect me near the end of the season. But if I've been picking the right players off of the form that they've been showing me, the team value is naturally going to rise. Yeah, I totally get that as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, can, I Brett, can I just chat with Brett? Like, do, do, you guys, do you have any problems with the time zones? Does that Im- impact your transfer decisions at all like how does that work for you um it does it, it, the price rises work well because they change at 11 a.m or 12 okay. uh 12 during the day here. it's a really good time um, to change yeah that is that's yeah <laughs> yeah it works out well you can set an alarm even just to check yeah. 15 minutes before the before the deadline in case you want to do a, a quick change it helps yeah, that's pretty cool. Just one thing as well, Jim. I remember you and I debated, but you probably won't remember, this was, I think, two seasons ago, <laughs> and you actually made a transfer based on value prior to the Champions League game playing because yeah. you, were, you weren't going to get him. And, like, that worked out for you that week, but would you still advocate for that, like, actually taking that risk if you know you're going to be priced out if he goes up point one? but they're actually expected to play a midweek game? Is that still something you'd, you'd go for? I think you've got to base it on the prediction how far you think that player is going to go, how many points that player is going to get you in the long run, and mm-hmm. how long you're going to keep him. So there's all these factors to come into mind. I mean, like, if it's at the start of the season and you're playing, like, aggressively, sometimes aggressively is the way forward. But if you're, like you say, come January, you know, you've got your team value, that's kind of what you set in. That's the rest of it for the rest of the season. You're, you're done. You, you play it safe, even if there is a Champions League game. Game. but uh, at the start I would I would probably yeah say go for it on certain players fair enough I guess I it think, depends I which think... player it is too mm. yeah if you yeah. get him if you're going to miss out on Aguero then it's a bit different to missing out on someone like a Fraser or someone like that yeah, I think if there's midweek games as well, there, there is that, that thing that it makes sense to wait until after the midweek games, only only in that situation that you're going to get priced out of a move, but then that's probably quite rare that we're actually going to get completely priced out on the move, you know, where point one absolutely blows blows your planning. Normally, we've all got a certain amount of leeway in there, which which behooves then waiting until after the um, the midweek games. I would have thought. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Yeah. 
Okay, let's uh, let's move on to our next uh, topic here. So it's about the amount of information that we we obtain. So thinking about how many podcasts we listen to, stats, what what articles do we, do we read, and are they helpful? You know, do they is, is there such thing as too much information? Do any of you have uh, have views on that? There's only one podcast for me. <laughs> <laughs> I better not say it though, because I'm on a different one. Uh, anyway, uh, for me, I do think there, especially now with the way the game has gone recently, I think there is so much more information being given out than there was initially. So I've actually found I often do better when I've not followed the information I've read and I've made a decision maybe because I'm too busy to read up on as much as I usually would and I just literally do my own research. I often make a better decision than if I've been like looking at Twitter all the time. So for me, I think find your trusted sources like this podcast and like my YouTube channel Mm. and uh, (laughs) then just stick with those but always be aware that their bias could affect your decision and could actually change your position. And then, of course, if you do change your position and you uh, live to regret it, that is probably often harder to deal with than if you went with your gut and then that doesn't actually pay off for you. Yeah, see, this is where I I kind of differ from a lot of people. I like to lap up all the information possible. I mean, I try to listen to as many podcast articles, mainly podcasts, though, but regarding football, not just FPL, as much as possible. And, yeah, I don't really get bored of it. I do try and listen to the different views on each week from different areas. I do hear a lot of people saying that they don't try and do that and they get overloaded with the information and influenced by it, like you say, by, like, more than one, one podcast or article. It, like, confuses them. Um, I think that you should kind of have a view where you're able to hear someone's point and either agree with it or allow it to support your view or even disagree with it completely and then think to yourself about the reasons why you disagree with it when someone makes a point say on another podcast regarding FPL it makes you think about oh you know what way would you do that or would I think about it that way? You know, it gets you thinking about these things. So some of the things are discussed on other podcasts, which we don't even discuss on this pod. And I have a little decision with myself regarding it, you know, thinking, oh, will I do that or will I not? And then if I think it's relevant or needs to be discussed further, I'll raise it in the Slack channel with all you bastards. So that's that's the way that I <laughs> normally do. I like as much information as possible. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I will I, also... Sorry, I just want to quickly no, go, ahead, go with Iceman. Um I have to agree, potentially a great way of playing the game is to take information in from sources that aren't FPL related as well. Because I think that's something that not necessarily everyone actually thinks of doing. And you often find certain things just watching, say, feedback from a game after it's happened or other YouTube channels that just generally talk about the game and not actually about FPL. You can often pick up on stuff that people are missing. Very true. It's very easy to get FPL tunnel vision, isn't it? I've certainly cut down on the amount of podcasts I listen to. I've, I sort of made a decision on to which ones I a enjoy listening to and b trust a little bit more. But even then, as you say, it's it's very easy to get swept along with the groupthink, especially on on pods and Twitter as well. There, there's often sort of this this wave of, and it's it's quite a small community on the Twitter community. We all think it's it, it is a big community, but in the in the great scheme of six million people playing the game, it's quite a small community. And and it's easy to get swept along. But and as JNO said, I think the best decisions you make actually are the ones where you take on board the information, you disseminate the information, and then you go with your gut because then you live or die with your gut. And when the decision works, it feels so so much better. If you go with the groupthink and it mm. fails, it's it, there's just so much dissatisfaction and so much angst about a move like that. Whereas actually, if you go with your gut and it fails, you go oh, well. You know, it seemed right at the time, but if you go with the group think, 
even against your better judgment and it fails, you'll be kicking yourself for the rest of the season. And that's awful. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's pick your poison. That's the, that's the thing to do. Make sure you, you, you latch onto those pods or as you say, the, 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 the written articles and that sort of stuff. People you trust, people who can give you a genuine evaluation rather than just opinion. They've actually worked out their, their sources and why, and they, they can give you a good reasoning behind what they're telling you. And that's a great basis to then make your own decision but make sure it is your own decision i i think you're right ian I, I think part of the problem that i've got is i'll try and find my favorites and i love them all like i'm just a nerd on the kind of biblical scale really when it comes to fantasy football i think the first thing i would say is i i had a really good season this season after a pretty lackluster one the season before um so i just said actually i'm still a football fan let's just watch more games so last season i just said i'm just going to watch more football i did and i don't think it's any coincidence that it performed better um actually watching and coming to my own opinions about games and what have you i think that the eye test still has a really important part to play in fbl success is, is my feeling there i then can't get enough of podcasts i mean i listen to as many as i possibly can that's like hail cheaters who got the assist the fml fbl guy Planet FBL, the, clearly the surgery, which I've been lucky enough to, to guest on a few times, and the Let's Talk FBL, the streams he does with uh, alongside the FBL family folks. That they're, they're they're really cool to join. I Could you not mention the competition, the please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Sorry. I said, can you not mention my competition, please? <laughs> oh, okay. I got you. Jay knows is the one you you need to make time for. Uh, I'm still like a loyal uh, follower of the of the Scout Cast as well. Um, they, they they tend to go a little longer. Yeah, same, same. Listening to those, the 59th minute that the general does. Like yeah. I listen to all of these. Um, I commute to and from work. It's about an hour and a half each day, five days a week. Like I've got the time to do it. Um, I'm on multiple Slack channels, so I get what people say about the overload of information, and so I think cool. there's probably a lot of truth in that. But for me, I'm I'm actually the opposite. I'll like I'll consume it all, but I will try to start with having my own opinions up front to see whether or not they're being felt elsewhere or whether or not you know i need to need to rethink them yeah i'm the same there sexy what's your thoughts uh i test for me i find in australia with the time zone when it changes when our daylight saving reverts and you guys jump into your daylight saving our kind of 9 30 or 9 p.m games become 11 games and the other games become 2 a.m games i find i drop off a heap then because it's hard to to watch the games um so then i try and i always listen to podcasts i listen to heaps uh, again i live in australia and everywhere you drive is so bloody far from the last place so you get a lot of driving time to listen to stuff last year i did really well in fpl this year i had a terrible year and i thought it was maybe the amount of podcasts i listened to because i listened to them all but i think it's just taking the information and backing your decisions and like you said Iceman, it's trying to find ways to prove yourself wrong almost um, yeah. with people who might have a different opinion on a player that you've got. Okay, you, you have a different look at that player. You look at it from their perspective. I find that helps. The Scoutcast, I find the Scoutcast is pretty helpful for me. Just for sure. It does bring up one or two good points, I find, as does this pod, obviously, Planet FPL. There's a ton on there. There really are a ton. I, I really do agree. I, I kind of sympathise though because that having that eye test up front, as I said, I, I really like having that to then you know hang your hat on and, and see what the other the other guys are, are thinking. What, what about yeah. you? Yeah, I listen to just, podcasts as well. I, I listen to a few. Uh, I haven't been listening to a lot, but I cut back some also. 
But I think you can listen to pretty much any post- podcast as long as you listen to it with a critical mind. So yeah. that means even though people talk about plans you think are bad, you have to think, okay, why is this bad? And why is this thing I'm doing good? So uh, as long as you're very skeptical and critical of everything you hear and everything you read, I think you can consume as much as you want and try to look for it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah, I think I, I've got to watch the games. If I do well, I tend to watch a lot of games. I'll pick four or five players and then I'll jump straight in the Slack channel and I'll talk to a lot of the guys. I find I get opinions are brought up in there that stats don't cover, yeah. that Twitter doesn't cover. Once I kind of get the backing of the Slack guys, then I'll go and dive into the stats a bit more and, and I'll make a decision. But I find if I watch the games, think of four or five guys that I want and then compare them in the Slack channel with the other fellas, back it up with stats. The Slack channel helps so much with that. Yeah, nice. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the plug there, Brett. Much appreciated. We're going to move on to uh, talking about planning now. So, how long to plan for? What are the benefits and drawbacks of uh, of pre planning? I think we've started to semi touch on this on the uh, in the last discussion. Ice Man, do you want to lead us off because you you love a plan. Yeah, I do love a plan, but um, I'm swayed on this one a fair bit because I look into planning things months in advance, like yeah, goalkeeper and cheap holidays. defender holidays. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> cheap midfielder <laughs> rotation. <laughs> but when you know you're not going to want the player in a few fixtures time then you, you kind of want to plan that as well and when you want to play want a player out due to fixtures and when you want a player in due to fixtures the thing is you can plan all this and an injury or a sudden influx of form from a player or team you know may change your thinking so I always try to plan as far ahead as possible and, you know look for cross play of players like you know you don't want your two defenders playing against one of your strikers say you know i try to plan the main team four to five game weeks though and then kind of always looking forward for when i bring in a player like you know it's not just the next three it's like trying to look as far forward as possible and thinking right he'll be good for that stretch and yeah fpl can get changed in a weekend let alone a month so you need to always stay flexible in what you're doing and this is kind of why having say like a premium striker in order to transfer out for another in form premium strikers is a good way to go like we listed player prices so there's different ways I, I go with it I, I try and go as far forward as possible four to five at least and yeah just knowing that I've got flexibility with my team nice let's get some other thoughts on that chaps planning what Jim needs is a spreadsheet to help him. <laughs> so, oh, I'll tell you what, where can I find one of them Tom? Well, I was just wondering whether or not there may be one available, but I oh, guess we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> available. Yeah, I, I feel like I've spoken heaps already. Does anyone else have any strong strong thoughts on, on the I plan? I think uh, at the start of the season, you don't have to plan for that long, and you should probably try, try to plan for not that many game weeks to actually maximize your points before you play a wild card. And, uh, and if your plan goes, goes bad, you can always play the wild, wild card. But after you have played the wild card, you are basically planning for up to 25 game weeks because that's the time where you play the second wild card most years. So in that case, it doesn't really matter if you plan 10 or 15 or 20 game weeks as long as you keep adjusting your plan every, each and every single week because new information has come. Then you can plan as long as you want for me and I will probably try to plan pretty far ahead this season. Yeah. 
totally concur. I, I, I agree with that point you make about the attack game weeks one through three or four really, really strongly um, in terms of your planning. Not There's no need to look beyond there, in my opinion. That's how I did last season. Yeah. Because ultimately, playing that early wild card has been seen to be successful. You mentioned the scout cast earlier. I think it was Brett who mentioned them. Like Mark's been a, a huge proponent of that. And he's done it with tremendous success over the last several seasons. So, you know, ideally, you don't, you wouldn't want to play either wild card because you have the perfect squad from game week one. But, you know, come on, that's not going to happen. But being willing to deploy that chip early is fine. Um, so plan for the first few and, and look to maximize those points, I think is is great advice, Stefan. I did that mistake this season. So I started out with guys like Eriksson and Virgil van Dijk over Robertson because I figured Robertson would get rotated and van Dijk is going to stay there. But I forgot that Robertson is more explosive and I was probably not going to save my wild card until game week 18, 19 anyway. So... Uh, coupled with Ericsson that also have a slow start and Firmino instead of Mane that really cost me the wild card. So yeah. I was trying to pick nail starters and guys that sure. I can yeah. keep for a long time but that uh, I, I should be more aggressive at the start and I will be this season I think. JNO, what what about you? So you mentioned like a bit quite relaxed when it comes to transfers, not looking at the team value so much and, and what have you. Do you do your transfers sort of week by week and, and think short term? Are you are you looking longer lens? I mean, I always have a season like long plan mm-hmm. where always I'm planning to play my wild card early. I'm always planning to play my second wild card around the time the double game weeks and everything come along. So I have a season long plan. As far as week to week. I usually plan for the 15 players I have as far as I think I need to keep them for, watch their stats religiously. And then I'm more flexible with the players I'm going to bring in. So I will look at potentially, okay, this first four game weeks of the season, I know I want these players, (coughs) so I'll bring them in. But then the next four game weeks, there might be a team that has good run of fixtures. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to be bringing in someone from there. But I will remain flexible on who that player is until the time comes because I think if you get a bit too rigid you could be missing out on tricks and team value which we talked about earlier that you could be taking advantage of so as far as the transfers coming in I'm always flexible and I can literally be certain before a game week who the next move is for the next game week and then as soon as that game week's gone I will be quite happy to change that opinion and change the transfer interesting like it Okay, well, let's uh, talk about hits and carrying transfers then. So, when when is it best to take hits? How many you think is acceptable? And the uh, the importance of carrying a transfer if you are able. So, I personally didn't take as many hits as I have done in the past this year. I can't say it's done me any good. Uh, I've certainly had se- seasons in the past where I've been really committed to almost one hit a week to get my value up, and I did well one season, but then. When the uh, the higher price players weren't performing, it didn't work. It works well that season, but then not in others. Um, how do you guys approach kind of uh, taking hits and carrying transfers over? I think I think the the no hits policy is is not really the best way to think. I think the be- the best way to think about it is to try and minimise the hits as much as possible, and just have good reasons if you are going to make a hit. If you've got like injuries, or you want to restructure your team, or someone you think is essential, just try to prepare your team for not taking a hit. Though, so a bit like we were discussing in terms of planning, you want to be bringing in players for the future game weeks as much as possible, not just for the 
the recent one for example last season a lot of people brought in Kane for the Cardiff game that was a pointless transfer in the end it turns out his other games weren't that good after that so some people do bring in that one player for that game week and they fail and then they want to get rid so you need to look why you want to bring in that player to start with you know I, I took hits this season I think I took about minus 16 in the end so not not too many but I still do take them so don't have the attitude of no hits if you're if you're not going well and you need restructuring just just do it yeah I think I quite agree with that I mean obviously I mean you go in with the idea to take as few hits as possible and obviously if you can get through a season without taking hits fantastic but like you say you've got to have the ability to be flexible and don't rigidly say I will not take a hit if it's going to improve your team but it sort of ties in with that previous question in terms of planning if you're going to take a hit make sure it's for a four, five, six-week player who's going to benefit you over and and pay off that hit over three or four or five weeks rather than, as you said, for that one-week special. Yeah. I think I took seven hits last year, but three of those were just at mid-season. I made a couple of errors on, my, on a wild card, and I think I got rid of Salah and had three weeks where I was over 4 million ranked and needed to do something drastic to put my season back on track took i think three hits over the case over over about three or four weeks which then got things moving again so sometimes you need to do it if things are going catastrophically badly you might need to do a quick reset if you haven't got a chip handy to use at that particular time i agree with that i think i, would, I looked back at the hits i'd taken over the season so i had 20 points worth uh five five four point hits um, and all but one of them were actually as part of three transfer moves. So I was as keen as possible to basically hold the transfer when I could yeah, to enable the two frees. Mm. And actually, if you go in with like Jim sort of saying, have the attitude that actually losing four is not the end of the world. But actually, I think that's a lot easier to swallow if you're making three transfers because it can change such a significant portion of your squad. Actually, feel like you've actually altered the landscape pretty significantly. So yeah, it's sort of it's got that sort of terminology now, isn't it? Mini wildcard, that that yeah. three move, yeah. It's that type of thing, and, and like I say, all but one of the hits of the five hits that I took in the season were, were part of moves like that. So you know, you don't want to be burning points if you can avoid it, of course. But actually, I think making it part of a, a more widespread change to, like I say, change the landscape of your squad that for me makes more sense than the kind of more ad hoc ad hoc hits that um, other managers may may have been forced into. That's just something that I approached last season, and you know, it's difficult because sometimes you get injuries that completely ruin the best laid plans i get that but in lieu of that then i think that's the that's the approach that i'd, I'd advocate for be accepting of the four point hit um but try and make it part of a move that's you know going to actually significantly change how your your, your team looks yeah, yeah, I, yeah I'd, back, I'd back that i need i need to take less hits this year i took a few last year but I did get a bit bored towards the end of the year and it became a bit of fun to take hits. Yeah. But I'm going to try and deal in two transfers at a time, save one, two transfers the next week, save one, two transfers the next week. And I'm not going to be so worried if I do save two transfers and I only want to make one transfer and I've got the, I, I might lose a transfer. That seemed to worry me last year. So I'd just change someone for the sake of it. Um, whether it be a player that didn't play that was sort of my bench, but I'm not going to worry so much about that. I'm going to try and, take less hits and especially take less hits at the start of the season I took a few early for some reason because I felt like I needed to catch up to people I didn't have the best start and I took a few hits to try and 
I guess hit myself out of a bit of a rut, but it didn't work. It's having faith in that team which you have, isn't it? Makes yeah, it yeah, it's backing yourself. And to be honest, I mean, how many of us can say the the best transfer we made is the one we didn't do? Hmm, yeah. You know, when you actually when you actually sit back and you go, oh, shall I take the hit? Shall I not? And you you end up not doing it, and things actually come through for you. And I. I countless times i've been in that situation it's like thank goodness i didn't do that in the end and it's like sometimes yeah you just just hang on hang on don't make the move don't make that sort of gut move don't take the minus four suddenly you'll you'll feel a lot better for it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. i did i didn't do any mini wild cards this season and I, I don't i don't like them and i don't like hits really so i'm trying to pl- play this game how can i avoid hits so to avoid hits i think uh, i'm more reluctant to jump on the sort of uh, Jota guys from the start and uh, Barkley, Pedro, those guys were uh, oh. t- typical oh, small bandwagon. So I try, I think if I buy those guys, I will have to transfer them out. And yeah. if I have to transfer them out, I'm wasting two or only 34 <coughs> free transfers we have during a whole season. I love so, how you said Barkley then, Steph. I was just knowing. All of us have suffered from players like that in yeah. the year. Yeah. How, how many yeah. hits did you take in the end, Stefan? Yeah, I, I, uh, as I said, I uh, did something horrible at the end of the season, which included a minus eight. So I took five hits. Oh, two of them was uh, in the blank game weeks, and two of them was because I lost my mind. That uh, happens. That happens, man. <laughs> happens. I, I did one. I did one hit, uh, which I really felt I should do, and that was Pogba, because he was racking up the points, and he looked like one I just had to have. So uh, I broke my no hit uh, thing in uh, January or February when Pogba was on fire, and he got, he got goals yeah. and points in every every game, but. I think I'm still going to try to avoid hits. I will take hits when players are injured, and I do yeah. I do use my free transfer aggressively. I I find myself spending my free transfer more often than saving because you have to play the game a bit aggressive, but not also taking hits. So saving often feels like I'm waiting a bit too much. Okay, let's look at uh, ownership of players then. So um, the importance of owning the players highly uh, highly owned over the course of the season. So uh, we saw numbers on the Liverpool players shoot up. Uh, one Bissaka, high ownership over the course of the season. Where do you guys stand on actually being with the bandwagon and, and owning the uh, the highest players? It's most important when they're scoring well. You don't you, you don't want to have the you don't want to have the high ownership players if they're doing nothing, which can often happen if you jump on those. They're saying those groupthink bandwagons sometimes. The the you know for example the Walcott and things like that after the oh. uh, Rich Allison thing, but it it really did hurt me. I think I just I'd said I had those three weeks where I was over four million just after I transferred Salah out and he went bonkers over Christmas. And that took my rank down from a season high of 17,000. Suddenly I find myself back at 158,000 and then spent the rest of the season clawing my way back into the top 20K. And that was literally three bad game weeks because I wasn't on the highly owned player who was also banging them in. And that's the worst case scenario that you ever want to get into. Uh, top, think, ke- yeah, top 10k ownership is uh, a bit important, I think. Yeah. Overall ownership, I don't look at at all. I don't I never check it because I don't think it's relevant. What like uh, most people are United and Liverpool fans, so people will have those players anyway. And I don't trust the six million people, but I trust more the top 10k. 
and I, and I and do find it very important to at least own the most popular captains. Mm. So so that's where I like to spend my free transfers. Like I said before, I, I like to s- switch out the big guns, uh, transfer in Hazard for one week because he's the, the he tops the polls. And I did the Kane move before Cardiff, and I liked it, and I still like it bef- because. Uh, he was the top on top of the polls, and if he had done something big, things could have gone really bad. So I'm aiming for the uh, top captains. Yeah, that's exactly how I see it. The the ownership of the top 10k, I try to watch as much as possible. But you've got to pay attention to these uh, overall ranked players. I mean, I would like to put it to the test one day. If maybe if someone out there, I don't know if any of listeners have done this or ever put this to the test, but to create a team just based on player ownership, yeah, overall ownership. Maybe try and keep to the template price bracket as we kind of mentioned earlier, and select the highest owned player from that price bracket forming like a, a whole team based on the highest owned players I think if someone did this I think that they will end up with actually quite a good rank because obviously you know, taking note of the ownership is quite important they're, they're up there for a reason why they're owned I mean unless it's really obvious like the you know they play for United or they're really cheap and you know not even playing you know for those reasons but I do pay attention to, to the ownership rank but like Hawksard said it, I do pay attention to the top 10k ownership i feel like i'm a little bit redundant on this pod because i just keep agreeing with everything stefan says yeah. but, uh, <laughs> i think the, the point about the um, ownership and captains that's the key as i look at it like the the top 10k is the metric that gets banded around i've always wanted it uh, there to be a tool available to show ownership of players sort of plus or minus five percent of your overall rank because that's where you're looking to make make gains. Ideally, you'd be in that top 10K, of course, but that's what I look at. I actually look at the top 100K um, ownership, which is something that Fantasy Football Fix um, offers, which is kind of neat. It doesn't tend to deviate too much from the top 10K, to be honest. Um, it does a little bit, but but not much. Uh, that tends to be where I focus uh, my attention. But Stefan's other point about the ownership of the players who are going to be captain, that is critical. That's why Hortz would have been so um, so damaged in that um, latter part of the or the you know, mid part rather of last season when Salah was was going off because not only would he be so highly owned but the vast majority of engaged players who owned him would have been captaining him as well. So absolutely, yeah. It's it's that double edged sword really. It's ownership amongst your peers uh, that you're interested in rather than the masses. I would I would frame that as. But yeah, if it's players who are widely owned who are also going to be hugely captained I don't think you should risk going without is is my personal feeling see for me I think sometimes you have to go with your gut and sometimes it is worth the risk I was one of the few that ignored Kane for Cardiff and that was one of my better game weeks so I would say you always have to be aware of the ownership especially with the people around you your peers but I think you still have to look at the stats if you don't like the look of a player Mm. Just because they are, of course, I still had Salah and I was very close to dropping him before he started scoring. Literally one game week away, but I saw who remember, he was playing and kept him. And you were talking about it, Jay, and I was so close to dropping him. Yeah, um, literally yeah. so close. And then yeah. literally Friday, I was like, wait a minute, he's playing Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's stick with it one week. But I do think sometimes there is a massive gain in not going with what the top 10K are going with for ownership. But I wouldn't suggest to do it long term. It would be when the top 10K are all bringing in one player for one game week. Potentially, there's a good move there of not going for them. And then if it doesn't go the way that everyone thinks, you're the one to benefit. But 
definitely season long or for long periods of time in the game, you need to be aware of the top ownership players and the ones that are actually returning the statistics and of course the points. It's, it's interesting. I, I, I get where you're coming from there. That that Bournemouth game for Salah, not to, not to rub salt on the wounds for, for Ian too much, but it was actually just that his cameo appearance against Burnley. I don't know if you watched that that game, JNO, but he came on um, off the bench just for a handful of minutes at the end. And it was just pure eye test. It was just like, this guy looks like he's he's back. He's sharp. He looks fit. He looks hungry. I was like, I can't afford to risk taking him out against a defence that's as porous as, um, as, as Bournemouth. So stats-wise, it might not have been looking great for Salah at that point, actually, because you know, he would have only played a handful of minutes in that game. But you know what, when you just watch a player, I think the same thing happened to you, Jim, when you watched uh, David Silver against, I think it was Newcastle last season, I think I remember you saying. Mm. And you're just like, he looks great. I, I need this guy on my team. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. I was fortunate enough to already have Salah. And like JNO says, there was a lot of people selling him and the case could have been made for doing it. But sometimes you just got to think, hang on, this guy's playing a defence which is, you know, borders on the abysmal nine times out of ten. And he looked so good when he came on. It was just like, OK, let's give him another chance. Sometimes you just, you just got to hold, hold first. Yeah, and we've got everyone said on captaincy ownership you've got Salah or if you haven't got Salah and he goes into games like Bournemouth Fulham Crystal Palace and then say Cardiff last year you'd be crazy not to have him Um, but other than that I don't worry about it a heap I just try and I follow try and limit the damage from captains if I can yeah I agree with that Brett that's a nice segue actually yeah I I do agree with that Brett as well put yeah, I think that leads us nicely into a final discussion, which is about captaincy. So it's our lessons learned for next year based on the season's captaincies. Can we touch on triple captains as well and the chips, chaps? I just mentioned go because you're the captain king. You're the <laughs> captain. Yeah. <laughs> the captain king. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I, I think the captaincy, I, like I looked at last year, I think I hit it 34 times out of 38. I do think it is a lot to do with luck. I'm not saying that I'm some sort of magician in terms of picking a captaincy. I do think I got lucky quite a few times. I went with my gut most of the the time thinking who's going to do better this week. Obviously, I went for the big name players and I went for Aguero, uh, Salah. Occasionally, I went for likes of Sane and Lacazette even. So, yeah, I did change it around a little bit and I did do it based on the game week and who I thought was going to do well it's more or less how you pick your players really you you do do it based on the stats you do do it based on the eye test and at the end of the game week you you look at it based on all those factors and every game week is going to be different but you want to go with the player who is the most consistent and uh, I mean it turns out the actual player who was the most consistent player throughout the season was actually Lacazette uh, he's all, he scores more points than than not, uh, as in like he scored more game weeks than not. Sorry, so he he would have been a great captaincy option to to leave your captain on for the whole season. But obviously you want those big hauls, and I seem to have found it throughout the season. So that's kind of how I did it. I based it based on the the, the most consistent players. Yeah, I would like to try to always captain the player that plays at home. I think that plays a. Uh... Uh, that gives you a sort of an edge because it's always easier to play, play in front of your home crowd and when uh, the big teams like Liverpool and City face Cardiff they make sure that the pitch is dry as hell and they don't want to play football they do everything to uh, make problems for the big teams and 
Uh, this season, City scored 19 more goals at home than away, and Liverpool scored 21 more at home than away. So, good stats. I, I, I like those uh, home captains as much as I can. Yeah, all I, I've um, got to say is, well, you go, all I've got to say is, I um, I was absolutely hopeless with captains this year. I only made captain, I think, 58 percent of the time. I got the right choice. It's pretty bad. I think I need to put more time into choosing captains. Uh, I think it's a huge part of your season. If I had did have my captain right as high as Iceman did, 95 or 94% of the time, I would have been in the top 35K. That's the lucky part. You have to be lucky. <laughs> yeah, have to also, I think, I, th- I think we could look at captaining defenders if the trend of um, the high-scoring def- high defensive player continues. I know it's risky, but Robertson, Van Dijk, Alexander-Arnold, Laporte, they were all in the top 12 points for the season. It's, yeah. uh, there's a lot of times we could have captain Robinson and come away with good haul, but no one does it. It's a ceiling, I think. You expect them to have a lower ceiling than the midfielders and strikers. But this season, mm. Van Dijk scored a couple of goals at 20 points or something, so it can happen. Yeah. I, to, I, I sort of check it out a little bit with captaincy. I live and breathe on the fancy football scout captaincy poll, and we'll just... I will review that several times during the week to see that initial view. Then obviously it changes as more information comes to light throughout the week. And it's difficult to, to deviate from that when there's a landslide winner because people are so engaged on there. But I have to have to say, I really like it when it's really close between two or three options. And then I can use other information available to me to, to come up with my own choice. But that's if when I'm it feels honest, like I... potluck. That when there's loads of options, it feels like a bit more potluck that you're just going to hit it at, at that particular. Yeah, game. I, I, I get what you mean, Jim, about it being potluck. But at that point, that's when I'll use the stats tables that I've created on on Fix, on Scout, and yeah. my eye test, and yeah. what have you, to say, okay, cool. There doesn't appear to be a common consensus. What do I think, and 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 how can I come up with something to? sort of meaningfully suggest the differentiator and I really like doing that but it didn't happen a whole heap last season because they did tend to pretty much most weeks there was a landslide winner in those polls not every week but but the vast majority yeah I completely agree with that because when there's when it's close you can uh, get to choose for your own decision but uh, when it's the run out winner you should I, I don't have the courage to go against everyone else most of the times so JNO, I feel like you're going to come in here. <laughs> oh, you read my mind. You read my mind. <laughs> uh, uh, to be honest, most of the time I will also go with who I believe is the most popular uh, captaincy option, but I will always be on the lookout for that moment to attack. And even if there is a standout winner, and I think that standout winner is wrong, that is the time I'll take the risk. And I think if in a season I'm taking 30 game weeks, I'm going with the most popular option because I also believe there's a reason for it being the most popular option, then I'm fine with that. But I will always be on the lookout for that attack. And those are sometimes the game weeks where you can do really well for yourself. Yeah, hard to dispute that. Okay, I think we've uh, there's been some really good discussions there around all things reflection for the season. But I know the Iceman is going to be dying for his final piss break of the season. So we will see you shortly. Thank you very much.
ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we all missed him when he was in America, but now he's back with a vengeance, straight from his piss, it's the Iceman! Yeah, I really need to play that out loud, maybe at work or something. (laughs) Maybe I'll get some respect from someone. Welcome back, Iceman, as usual, Hort's absolutely nailing that one, I think that's the best one we've had to date on the podcast. Thank you. Um... We're going to round things up now with a, an overview of the FPL Surgery Podcast Mini League Top 10. So for the last time of butchering your names this season, we've got in 10th place, Isam Reco of Sasa Simic. In 9th, we've got Kevolution, Kevin Lautiza. 8th place, Serenity Now, Joachim Alstrom. 7th place, Smelly Sane, Rory Scott. Sixth place, the Goonersons, Callon Huey. Fifth place, trying to give up Fanta is Michael Taylor. Fourth place, Sporting Milwaukee, that was CJ. We've got Dunking Donuts, Henry Wakefield in third. Second place, full of fair, full of flair rather, Richard Jenkins. But holding them all off with an impressive final score of two thousand five hundred thirty-eight points. It is Sky Player in FPL. It is Mr. Paul Jones overall finishing 48. Bloody impressive. Well done, Paul. Well, well, well done. 48, thanks. He, I, I've also spoke to him already, and uh, I'm luckily going to get him in for just a personal pod. So I'm going to go through his season bit by bit to see if we can work out the way he did things. He he played it the way he would play the Sky games. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how he did that and where he went and where he turned each week. So yeah, well done, Paul. And uh, a prize will be on its way to you. We haven't actually thought what that is yet, but we will give you a prize. Uh, Paul actually had Lascelles on the uh, the bench with six points. There's not really much option for him to have gone in that last game, so that's you, you, redundant. You're trying to bring him down, are you? Oh, no, I'm trying to put him up. <laughs> trying to get him in the top 30. No, very impressive. Bloody good prize on its way to you very soon, sir. Iceman, we're going to do the final feature of the season, which is, of course, Sexy Thoughts. Live. Live. If your sexy thoughts... Goes out to the Women's World Cup and the better sex. I'm enjoying the World Cup. The Australians are going to win it. I'm absolutely loving the girls. It's good to see them not diving every two seconds and (laughs) protesting and showing disrespect to the referee. I'm absolutely loving the World Cup. So come on. Come on, Sam Kerr. Come on, the Aussies. We'll win it. You. You. Except Norway will beat them. So. <laughs> I, it dropped out then. I couldn't hear. He, he said, keeps dropping out. He said Norway will beat them. Hello? Hello? Can you hear us? He said, he said Norway will beat them. No, I can't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> you have me going there. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Oh, nice. Wow. Right, okay. Um... We're actually going to record the Iceman's Quiz as a separate pod uh, for your comedic viewing. It's going to be different to our usual format, mainly the Iceman asking questions and us uh, making light of it. So if you want to get involved in that, uh, tune into the next podcast. But I want to thank our guests tonight, Hogsrud. Thank you for having me. We've got FPL Sexy. You. CC. Cheers, Bully. Thanks, Iceman. Great to be back. Hawks. Great to be on as always. Cheers, guys. J&O. Thanks for having me. Great to talk to you. Iceman, any final words of wisdom from a wonderful season? Um, there's never been any wisdom from me. Not even now. Not even what? now. <laughs> Not even now. Well, 
if, if he does come up with some, the best place to uh, to find out about it is by going to patreon.com forward slash FPL surgery. Find out more about us on our website, fplsurgery.com. Join us on Facebook and uh, Twitter at FPL surgery is where most of our chat goes on. Listen to us on iTunes. And if you've got any emails, uh, you can send them to info at fplsurgery.com. But I, just, overall- I just want to thank all of our all of our listeners and everyone who's listened throughout the season, anyone who's retweeted, liked, or you know, given a review anywhere. So just thank you. It does keep us going, and we do enjoy it every week, even though it sounds like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lovely wisdom from you there in the Iceman. And so uh, overall, thank you very much once again for everybody for supporting us. Have a great summer. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. Tandem. Retro beats. Guys, we did a podcast. It took. Oh, yeah. We did a podcast. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Can't believe it. Well done. We actually got it in. Third time to charm. Yeah. I will not be confident until Iceman actually releases it. <laughs> 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 don't jinx it. Yeah, yeah, don't jinx it. Jeez. As you say, the the, the 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 written articles and that sort of stuff. The 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 written articles and that sort of stuff. You could be missing out on tricks, missing out on tricks, 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 tricks.